Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Jeff Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio, and we are going to have another great episode today coming up in just a short while. We're going to talk with Bob Thompson, the CEO of Customer Think. We're going to talk about customer centricity and all things related and anything tied to the customer. But first, I want to talk a little bit about a report that I just read. Uh, Forrester just came out with another great report, and it is uh, Rick Parrish's report, and the exact title is U.S. Customer Experience Index 2016. In this report, uh, Rick talked about uh, where companies have gone from customer service to where they are today just in the last... Even since Q3 of just last year, but actually over the last year, and I'm always asked, is customer service getting better or is it getting worse? And my response has always been the expectations of the customer are higher than ever before, and I wonder sometimes if companies have been able to keep up with those expectations. Anyway, Rick's report was really excellent. It 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 gave hope to the world of customer service and experience. Uh, the first thing is uh, 58 out of 319 brands had significant improvement. So what the report does is it surveys U.S., large U.S. brands and the U.S. federal government. Um, I'm not going to tell you where the U.S. federal government landed. Uh, there is some improvement. However, uh, they still have an opportunity out there. If they want to uh, get up into the ranks uh, and, and compete as far as customer experience goes with the with the uh, the big brands out there and I know that our current um, uh, the folks in office are very focused on creating a better customer service experience as a matter of fact President Obama created an initiative last year that says hey everybody let's take government agencies and let's bump them up and deliver a better customer experience to our constituents which happens to be their customers so um, Five out of 21 industries surveyed had dramatic increases, while only two fell, but only slightly. And the winners in the large jumps of of better service were actually, I think you can look back, and were just a few years ago probably one of the laggards, and that is uh, wireless service providers. Uh, Traditional retailers are doing rather well. Hotels uh, saw a big bump up. They recognize more than anything hospitality mentality. You've got to deliver on the customer experience. There's so much competition out there. Internet service providers uh, did rather well. And as I mentioned, the U.S. government made some strides. But here is probably one of the most important things that I read and learned in this report. Um, The emotional connection is actually the key to high customer experience ratings. What the report indicated was that a happy customer does not correlate with brand loyalty. As a matter of fact, the top three drivers for loyalty are making customers feel feel valued, appreciated, and confident. Now, I know that if I feel valued and appreciated, I might feel a little happier to do business with you. But the overall satisfaction was with these three drivers, not general overall happiness. Now, on the flip side, you would think that angering a customer is the worst thing that you can do uh, for customer loyalty and to uh, promote customer loyalty. Well, the truth is, according to this uh, recent report, is that 
in order to erode loyalty, it's not angering the customer, although some of these things I'm about to share with you will. It's annoying the customer, disappointing the customer, and frustrating the customer. So what might annoying be? Annoying might be a, a policy that, that gets in the way or a process. It's so annoying that I have to go in and I have to fill out this form two times before I get to you know, whatever I need. Or when I call for support, it's so annoying that I have to constantly give them my account number and where I live and my social security last four numbers and my mother's maiden name and my firstborn child's son. And then when they transfer me to someone else because they couldn't help me, I got to start all over again. Well, that's annoying and that's frustrating. And I guess disappointing would mean you just let me down. You didn't do what I thought you were going to do. You didn't do what you promised you would do. You didn't meet my expectation. Anyway, if you're interested in learning more about this report, just go to Rick Parrish's uh, site on Forrester, and you'll see the U.S. Customer Experience Index 2016. There's a lot there to be learned, and and what I basically surmised from all of this, and I can uh, tell you that it it was the opening line. Customer experience leaders grow revenue faster than customer experience laggards. They drive higher brand preference and can charge more for their products. What does that tell me? We need to focus on customer experience, and that's what Amazing Business Radio is all about. So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we are going to talk with Bob Thompson. Can't wait. Don't go away. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information. All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the shepherd letter form and each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more, all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening and don't forget to always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio, and I promised you today a great interview. We have Bob Thompson, the CEO of Customer Think Corporation. And uh, the best way to describe Customer Think is uh, is a research and publishing firm that really focuses on customer centricity. And uh, Bob is also the founder and editor-in-chief of CustomerThink.com, which is a great online resource. It's probably, I, I believe it is, the world's largest community dedicated to customer centricity. And what that means is you will find resources, authors, bloggers, experts, uh, people weighing in and opinions on the topics of anything related to the customer, which is obviously customer service and customer experience, but also branding, sales, marketing, and anything that is customer-related. Bob is also the uh, author of Hooked on Customers, five, The Five Habits of Legendary Customer-Centric Companies. Bob, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Thank you, Chip. Chip, it's a pleasure to be with you. Well, we have a lot to talk about, and the first thing is uh, the five habits of legendary customer-centric companies. That is a pretty enticing title. Uh, tell us a little bit about Hooked on Customers. Well, it's a result of uh, many, many years of research and thinking about this very fuzzy idea of customer centricity, and what I wanted to do is to try to 
to break it down into things that are more actionable. What are these? What do top companies actually do? What are the practices or the ingrained habits that they have? Um, so that was really the the thought behind uh, coming up with the uh, the five habits. There's a lot of research going back, you know, 10 to 15 years uh, to put some quantitative science behind it. But um, it's things that we talk about routinely now, things like listening, doing good analysis, empowering employees, uh, innovating, uh, and delight. So those are the five habits, and the book breaks it down and gives great examples and some of the research uh, behind it and, and you know, some of the things that companies can really do to, to put it into practice. Right, and, and as I listen to those five, I almost think, well, gosh, that's common sense, but unfortunately it's not so common. And just saying, hey, we want to be better listeners, there's a lot more behind being a better listener than just shutting up and listening. That's right. I mean, and that's what the the book goes into. What does it really mean to listen? And there's lots of ways to listen, not just through surveys or or even face to face interviews. There's ways to listen through through data. Uh, basically, it's about gaining customer insight and acting upon it. So yeah, the uh, the, the the high level concepts. I mean, everybody kind of nods their head. Uh, and it's hard to find any company that wouldn't say they're they're at least trying to be customer centric. Uh, but the leaders actually put it into practice. And so each of these habits I break down into five specific practices, and uh, that's the basis for the quantitative research, which shows that these uh, there are 25 practices in all that um, uh, leaders statistically outperform on these practices from uh, follower companies. Right. I um, just read a great report, uh, and it was really interesting to me, that indicated, and this was fascinating, that uh, making a customer angry doesn't necessarily mean they won't become disloyal. It's, you know, aggravating, aggravating them and annoying them, little things sometimes. And, and that's why when you think of, of habits and practices, I think those are really good ideas. It's sometimes not the, the biggest thing. It's sometimes it's just something small, something, uh, it's a nuance even at times. Um, so it's, you know, uh, anyway, I throw that, we digress. I know that wasn't originally in my list of questions to talk to you about, but I, <laughs> since you wrote the book, well, gosh darn it, we got to talk about the book. Yeah. And where no, do you get uh, the book? It, it's, it's, um, the, the problem that companies have, the companies that aren't in the leading group, which is only 10, maybe 10% that really, uh, knock this stuff out of the park routinely is that. It's translating good intentions into a culture where it's just done almost without thinking. That's what a habit really is. You don't think about it. You just do it. So whether it's golf or business or your personal life, health, if it's a habit, it's ingrained. It becomes just part of how you do things. And it's actually kind of interesting when you talk to leading companies, and I know you do this as well, Chef, that – they don't always see what's so great about it. It's like, well, yeah, this is how we do things around here. It's just part of our culture. They don't see how they compare to other companies where that's not the case. Yeah, I, it's amazing. And the companies that do it right, and they, it's just because it's the right thing to do, that's the way they think. And, and you know, they do excel at it. I mean, they, they hire people, too. You, you can mm-hmm. call them habits. You can call them, you know, your core values, your culture, you know, focus. 
but they hire people to these traits and these habits and these. They, you know, absolutely, and, yeah. Hiring is a is a incredibly important thing. That's a one of the key determinants. You have to hire the right talent to begin with, but then you have to equip them, empower them, train them. All those things are important too. Uh, you can't. I think one uh, other thing I'd just like to mention real quick is that it's hard to break these things apart, like you know. Uh, pieces of a Lego. I mean, they all, it, it all works together as a system. That's how big companies or big organizations work. So um, you can always say, well, you know, the top companies ought to hire the right people. Yeah, they do that, but they, they also train them. They, they use technology more aggressively. And so there's a number of things that together uh, create this, you know, incredible human resource. Um, and of course, there's a number of other things in other areas of the business. So uh, top firms are not just great at customer service. They're great at innovation. They're they're great at um, you know listening and, and reacting to customers and taking care of problems. A, a lot of different practices that it's not about just one simple thing that is going to you know uh, put you on a path to nirvana. Right, right. And it's um, a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Needle Cobain, says the magic is in the mix. It's not yeah. one thing that makes it happen. It's many things done well. And uh, the way you develop a habit is you practice that habit. And uh, I don't know if he said it originally, but the first time I ever heard it was from Harvey McKay, who said, practice does not make perfect. Perfect practice makes That's perfect. Right. That's right. And, That's right. I'm uh, working on my golf my golf game right now, and it's uh, it's really, really trying to learn a new swing after playing, you know, with kind of a made-up swing for many years has been really, really difficult. Right. So that's uh, the, the, the change problem that companies have to, to work through is how do you move to a better set of habits when you've been operating in a different way for a long time? So, you know, I, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and we were talking about uh, how in professional sports, and I don't want to use sports analogies, but you mentioned golf. Um, this guy was a high-level golfer, and I said, well, tell me, when you first got a coach, what did he do? I mean, you were already really good. He says, you know what he made me do? He handed me a golf club, and I looked at it, and it was a left-handed golf club. I, I hit right. He says, no, nope, you're going to learn the game all over again from the other side. And he didn't, didn't spend a long time on it, but he spent enough time working on the fundamentals, the way this coach taught on the, the opposite side, the very uncomfortable side, so when he went back to his comfort side, he started to implement some of these swing ideas. And then you think of um, Coach Wooden, famous basketball coach, probably one of the most famous coaches of all times. You know, what did he teach his, you know, uh, the, the guys that made the team? Teach them how to tie their shoes first. <laughs> you know, it's like you got to do the basics really, really well. Um, so some, there is there's a lot of truth to that. It's uh, things like, you know, one of the habits, one of the uh, – top-rated, you know, near the very top of the list was uh, something very simple, acting on feedback. And, you know, almost nobody would disagree, well, yeah, that's important, and I'm sure we do that. Well, the answer is most companies don't. They don't act consistently and rigorously. They don't go look for the root cause of problems. Um, It's very sporadic, and so it's a very simple practice, but how many companies really do it well? And uh, they set themselves apart simply by when they do get feedback from customers, however they get it, 
they do something with it. Yep. Common sense. It's not always so common. So where do you get the book? Is it a, is it Amazon, any bookstore in the whole world? Uh, do they have to contact you? <laughs> no, it's available on Amazon. Easy to find. Just look for Hooked on Customers. Hooked on Customers, the five habits of legendary customer-centric companies. All right. So in a, in a couple minutes, we're going to set this up, and then we're going to take a short break, come back, and spend a little bit more time on it. But you talk a lot about companies getting a return on their customer service investment. So, number one, what are they investing in? And number two, are they getting a good return? Only about one-third in the recent work I've been doing um, say that they're getting, a, I would say, a clear return, either getting tangible benefits or feel that they're getting a competitive advantage. Uh, the rest are either making progress or are stuck and not, not really seeing any benefits at all. So about two-thirds uh, have a, a lot of room for improvement. And are are you saying that um, they're they're investing in service? In other words, they're probably working yeah. on hiring the right people. They're spending the time people, training. The they're innovating the technology, right? And you're are they doing it just to remain competitive? Is that what these two thirds of the companies that aren't seeing a true return are they? Are does it just help them stay in business? Well, it's a mix. Uh, one of the the, the top rated goal that people say they're uh, they're um, striving toward is to create more loyal relationships. They want to invest in customer service so that they create a better quality experience, create more loyal uh, customers, and then reap the benefits of that. And uh, But, you know, there are other things that are mentioned as well that rank quite a bit lower, things like, you know, selling more uh, through upsell um, or, you know, reducing costs. So, Every company has its own sort of portfolio of what it is that their goals are, but in terms of the big picture through this uh, survey of about 200 uh, service executives, it's, um, it, you know, there's very much a skew toward this, this loyalty concept. Wow. Well, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the loyalty concept. We're also going to talk about the obstacles that get in the way of delivering a good customer service experience. And as much more time as we have, we'll, I'm sure we'll fill it with all kinds of great information. Everybody, you're listening to Amazing Business Radio. We have Bob Thompson, who is the CEO of Customer Think and the author of Hooked on Customers. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Chef Hyken here. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24-7, 365 days a year. Just go to www.ShepOnDemand.com. Once again, that's ShepOnDemand.com. And remember, always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Bob Thompson, and we were talking about loyalty, and this is what companies seem to be striving for. So what is the payoff with loyalty? Well, uh, I think the thing that most companies uh, want is uh, something happens over time. It's part of the reason why I believe that this getting this uh, clear return is sometimes challenging because it doesn't happen immediately. And that's having company or customers that come back and want to do business with you again and again. And so you invest in customer service and innovation and a number of other things, but let's stick with customer service for now. And you say, all right, we want, we're going to 
We're going to make that uh, our service better, a service experience. We want that to be awesome. How do we get the payoff? Well, they're going to come back and, you know, instead of checking out our competitors uh, for a better price, they're going to say, we love that customer service and we're going to keep doing business. And that's a cost you don't have to incur again by replacing that customer with somebody else that you had to spend marketing money on. So that's that's one of the key benefits. Uh, you get word-of-mouth benefits as well, and you get um, some upsell and cross-sell benefits. So I think everyone is kind of sold on the idea. Uh, it can be tricky, though, to make the connection between an improved experience and uh, uh, the loyalty benefits because they're they're going to happen over time. Right, and they have to be measured and and when it comes to loyalty, uh, my clients say, you know, loyalty, it's a daunting thing. And everybody think of, thinks about loyalty as a lifetime. And as listeners to the show know, I've talked about this before, loyalty is not about a lifetime. It's about the next time. And you hit it yeah. right on the head when you said, you know, the next time they come back, I want them to come to me instead of a competitor. I don't want them to be so price sensitive. So the question to ask yourself is, what am I doing right now to make sure that customer comes back the next time they need whatever it is that I sell? And if you focus on the next time every time, it could turn into a lifetime. But it's all about what's right in front of you and that opportunity. And just saying to somebody you know, hey, focus on the next time, do the right thing, get the customer to want to come back. You have to train people on what to do to make that happen. You know, it, it's not, it doesn't, it sounds, in theory, it sounds pretty simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Well, it, it, it exactly right. And uh, as you know, I had an experience that I wrote about on Customer Think where uh, I had been a loyal customer of a particular service. Uh, I had a problem, and uh, they were, not interested in solving right. the problem. I think I commented on that. It, you did. You did. <laughs> I asked a number of people uh, for some advice on, uh, you know, what kind of training co- uh, companies really needed. Uh, but the point is that, you know, I was loyal, and they gave me a reason to stop using them. So not only did I stop using them, but I put out a post on uh, Customer Think, which gets a lot of traffic. We get 100,000 visitors a month. And um, it's that's not good for a brand. No. Uh, now the good news is they eventually did refund my money. It was uh, two years after the incident, but they lost two years of revenue. It's questionable whether I'll go back and use them again. So those are the downsides of of uh, having a poor service experience after a series of good ones. Right. All it takes is one very negative experience and you're just um, you're ready to do something different so they gave you back your money and you're you're still questioning whether or not you're going to go back and do business with them again that's right yeah and and i'll I'll assume that part of it was the hassle factor in getting your money back well i honestly didn't expect them to do anything so i'm was pleasantly surprised um i figured it was a good um (laughs) a good lesson it wasn't enough money to, you know, to take them to small claims court or anything like that. So um, I was pleasantly surprised and that they did respond. In fact, it looks like they're trying to, uh, over the last couple of years, they've made some changes to their practices, things like empowering their service agents to 
do something when there's a, a situation, not just go to the rule book and say, well, what's the right thing to do here? And, to, you know, to think about things like the lifetime value of a customer, you know, it wouldn't have taken them uh, any effort at all, really, to, to look at my profile and say, well, I've been a multiple buyer over the last uh, year, and to make some projections say, well, you know, should we make an accommodation here for this customer, given the potential value, and not get into a big argument about who's right and who's wrong, but just say, you know, let's just move on. Wow. So I, I love that. You know, I'm not going to tell you the name of the company, but last night I made a phone call. Uh, their initials are AT&T. And, okay, that was supposed to be – okay, good. You're laughing. Just making sure. You're laughing. You're still there. Good. No, I actually I, had a very pleasant not sure experience. you're talking about, but keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so I called because there was um, an issue with the data plan that I have. And you want to know what the first per- thing that the woman said? And, and her name is Brittany, and she was wonderful. She said, first, I see that you have been a uh, customer since 1994. And wow. I think, yeah. And I said, actually, it might even be before that, but 94. That means uh, 94, 2004. That's 22 years. And she said, there is no way we're going to let you go tonight. <laughs> That's what she told me. And uh, she solved my problem for me. And I just think that's really cool. And the fact that I think maybe a few years ago they may not have had access to that information, or not everybody would have had access. It's possible, and you know that's uh, you know one of the issues uh, that I dug into in the recent research on customer service is, well, what uh, there are uh, actually the majority of companies are struggling with providing this so-called complete view of customer data. And uh, one aspect of that is the value of customers. What is their purchase history? Uh, you might even include things like their social media profile. You know, mine is pretty high. I run a big yep. community. I'm on Twitter. Things like that is give you a more complete picture of the customer. And so when you are making some judgments about are we going to do something or we're not going to do it, it gives you more information uh, uh, to that, uh, that rep to, to make a good decision. Yeah, I, and, and I love how it all worked out, and, you know, you're 100% right. All right, we don't have a ton of time left, but what I want to do is I want to talk about the most common obstacles uh, to delivering a great service experience. Uh, in the pre-work that we do, you gave us a list of great ideas and content uh, thoughts, and, and, and one of the questions uh, that came up was, what are the most common obstacles? Well, the obstacles uh, tend to be related to uh, the practices, I don't want to get too wonky here, but we studied 14 different practices, and there are a mix of things like, some were tech-related, like, um, you know, using certain channels, knowledge bases, and so on, and, and others were related to um, people and practices that they uh, execute. Anyway, the, the, the point is that we, we looked at a lot of different things to try to see, well, what is it that really distinguishes companies that are are getting a more clear return on their customer service investment, and then where are people struggling? Um, there's definitely a lot of frustration. Like 40 to 50 percent of companies overall in this study we did are struggling with something related to technology. They don't have the right solutions to do to execute their strategy. They don't have this more unified or complete view of customer data. Their knowledge is sprinkled all over the place. So when there are agents on the phone and trying to solve a problem, they can't readily get access to it. So there is a there's a mix of tech-related obstacles 
um, that definitely came through in the study. Uh, but another one that came through uh, is about people. It's really about how do you uh, empower and train and equip people to do the jobs that they need to be done. Uh, and in uh, that, in fact, I, mean, I, I contacted you and some other experts in the field, and we found that you know, this soft skills is a very important skill. And look at another way, it's an obstacle to, to great performance that's missing in, in the majority of companies, actually. They're not investing in things like you know, empathetic listening and decision-making and uh, things that will help customers deal with situations that aren't routine. Yeah, and, and it really frustrates me when a company says, okay, we're going to do this, and then they give everybody a training program, and six months later, after the training program, they've done nothing to reinforce it other than just say, remember that training program we took six months ago, and guess what? A year later, they're still, remember a year ago, two years ago? Training isn't something you did. It's something you do. You reinforce it. It can be done one big training and then a bunch of little tiny you know, five- to ten-minute reinforcement meetings, conversations that might happen once every month or two, but at least it's in front of somebody. I believe that's a huge obstacle, and, and in my world, it's a bit of a frustration as well. All right, so uh, as we start to wrap up, um, what, what, are your top, what are your top thoughts for in, you know, what needs to be included in a customer service strategy? Well, I, I want to note that um, we asked, to, in terms of obstacles, that we, this came up as well for about two-thirds of the companies those that were less mature, less uh, able to see a clear return on their customer service investments, noted that unclear customer service strategy was a key obstacle. It was in the top four. All right. Uh, so so strategy would be number and, one of what's needed. Exactly. I mean, if, uh, and, you know, we didn't get a lot of detail about this, but, you know, my feeling is that uh, this is a either not having one or just having something that's not clearly communicated. But either way, when you ask people, what is your strategy? Well, I'm not really sure. Um, that's, a, that's a huge problem. So my advice is, is real simple. You, you work backwards from the desired service experience. What is it that you're trying to deliver as well as the outcomes that you're trying to accomplish? So you start with that. So that everyone's clear about what is it that we're trying to accomplish. We want to have a service experience that looks like this, and we want to deliver business outcomes that look like that, whether it's loyalty or reduced costs or whatever. Um, and then work backwards to, all right, well, then how, what are the practices that we're going to need to invest in? And then what sort of human and technology resources are needed to implement those practices? It's a very simple, logical way of doing it, but it has to be thought through and written down and followed. And that's, that's all a strategy is, is a written plan to go accomplish something in your business. Right, and I think it starts with uh, leadership defining what they want that plan to be. I've sat in boardrooms with uh, executives, and I said, what's the vision? What's the, what's the plan? What is your, your customer service strategy? And, and I had one person say to me, why are you asking me this in front of all of my friends? <laughs> because they don't know. That's what's frustrating. Yeah, and and I think uh, reading between the lines a little bit in this research I did, I think there are a lot of uh, service executives and managers who believe that they should be focusing on 
loyalty. And yet, if you really dug through their operation, I, I suspect what we'd find is that there is a lot of other uh, cross-currents at work, that there are metrics that encourage people to focus on efficiency and cost uh, overly much. And so uh, creating a strategy that's not only clear and understood, but getting it implemented is, is, is not a simple feat, and leadership has to make that happen. Right. Well, we are we're basically out of time. I, I, I think this is fascinating. You and I can talk for hours and hours. It's real evident that you are a really smart dude, very well-read, a lot of research. And for those that are listening, uh, you should go to customerthink.com because it is a huge resource. I, you have hundreds of contributors that have contributed literally dozens, if not hundreds, of articles. I mean, how many articles are on your site? We have, um, right now, we're close to 40,000 posts. 40,000. So 48,000. We're, we're going to hit 50,000 within the next year. Wow, wow. So if I read one a day, how long? <laughs> <laughs> Just go in and do a search. It's, uh, it's an incredible resource, you know, articles by yourself, and uh, we have over 2,000 contributors now. So it's a fantastic resource, and... I certainly encourage people to visit it and, and put it to use. Great. And, of course, the book, as we talked about earlier in the show, was Hooked on Customers, The Five Habits of Legendary Customer-Centric Companies. You can pick that up at Amazon. We've been talking with Bob Thompson, the CEO of Customer Think. Thank you, Bob, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Everybody, thank you for listening. This is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.